0: Welcome to Incarcerate Radio, a production of Incarcerate PA, being broadcast live from the studio of 88.1 WPE, your West Philly community radio station. In the last three decades, the prison population in Pennsylvania has risen by 600% while violent crime has stayed put or gone down. Politicians, prosecutors, and police have targeted low income communities of color stopping, harassing, and arresting our neighbors and leaving whole generations with criminal records. Enough is enough. Decarcerate PA is a coalition of individuals and organizations working to put an end to the damaging system we call mass incarceration. And our three-point platform outlines how we aim to get there. First, we say, no new prison. That means cancelling the $450 million construction at Graterford and passing a moratorium against future prison projects. New prisons waste our resources and help cause the future they claim to prepare for. The 19 new prisons built in the last 33 years haven't made us safer. They've just allowed us to continue in the wrong direction. Second, we call for decarceration itself. That means reversing the policies of mass incarceration and reducing the prison population. We can't stop building prisons and keep the failed laws and policies that filled them to begin with. Mandatory minimums must go. Everyone should be eligible for parole. People with substance abuse problems should get treatment, not jail time. Mass incarceration is a product of bad laws, and we need to change them. Finally, we understand that the real problems in our communities can't be ignored. That's why the third point of our platform calls for community reinvestment. We want the money being wasted on prisons to be reinvested in schools, healthcare, social services, job training classes, and addiction treatment programs. These are the things that actually make our community safer. And it's time we made them our priority.
1: Our platform
0: is a plan but our strength is in the thousands of people all across the state and the country who are standing up against a broken, oppressive system. Join us every Saturday from noon to one to hear how they're working to create a world without prisoners. And you're listening to 88.1 FM WPEB here in Philadelphia, your West Philly community radio station. This is Decarcerate Radio. We're here every Saturday from noon to noon. One talking to you about issues related to mass incarceration and how to end it. Uh, we're with Decarcerate PA. We're part of a coalition here in Pennsylvania working to end mass incarceration. Today we have some great guests in addition to our usual Decarcerate Radio crew. Anna and Dave and Ashley are all here with me. I'm Owen. And we've also got Brandon and Mariana uh, here from BPSOS. Um, they're going to talk with us about their organization and their programming, and then we're going to get into a conversation about how it's related to the work that we do in decarcerate and the work of our allies. So, welcome, Bren, Mariana.
2: Thank you. Hi. Um,
0: Thank you. Some people might not be familiar with what BPSOS is, or or what that, that even stands for. Um, can y'all maybe introduce yourselves um, and? Introduce your, your organization, BPSOS. Help, tell us maybe how you got involved with it, too.
3: All right, I'm Brandon. I'm with BPSOS, the Lower Valleys um, Youth Group, YPOP, Youth of Philadelphia Organizing for Power. And I started off my work with BPSOS doing um, some community work um, during their summer called in a program called Journey Home, where I worked with individuals from the Vietnamese community in order to, like, better understand. I went out and interviewed individuals in the community in order to, like, better understand what things they are lacking such as a lack of civic engagement within the community is what I found.
2: Sweet, yeah. I'm Mariana and um, well BPSOS stands for Boat People SOS and I started with BPSOS during the summer of my senior year of high school actually and I was part of a career exploration readiness program type of thing where I got to go out on a field and um, do some different things you know just Get a fill of career, like different career fields and stuff like that. And, um, well, BPSOS is primarily a Vietnamese-American mm-hmm. organization and it's been around for over 10 years now. Yeah. And
3: and, and it's the largest international organization um, working to equip and um, give services to the Vietnamese community.
2: Yeah. And our main mission is to, like, assist um, Vietnamese refugees and immigrants in our community.
4: Mm-hmm. Can, can I ask you, how do you guys uh, hear from this organization
2: and how do you join?
3: Yeah. Oh, for me, I've heard my, this organization from my sister who heard it from her friends.
2: Yeah, I actually heard about BPSOS mm-hmm. through a different organization. Um, and then I pretty much just, they told me a little bit about it and what they're doing and how it's like helping the Asian American community. And I was really interested in that. So I um, joined that.
0: So BPSOS, it's, you said you're in the BPSOS Delaware Valley chapter. This is a national organization or an international organization, you said?
3: Um, It's the largest international organization working with the Vietnamese
2: community. Yeah, but BPSOS is a mm-hmm. national thing. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah.
0: Yes. Okay. And, and when you say working with, I mean, you described uh, volunteering to go out and talk with people about what kind of um, things they were lacking in their communities or what mm-hmm. kind of resources they needed. What are some of the programs that y'all do, other than, than just ask people about what they need? <laughs> what, what else do you do?
3: Um, for us, we're in YPOP, you Fulfill Organizing for Power, and we primarily try to equip high schoolers now with um, things that schools cannot provide for them, like college and career readiness.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, other things BPSOS does is, like, we do health promotion, we give um, English, um, but well, they, well, they give English, English lessons, lessons and all that. And we also have like um, a physical therapy gym and um, basically trying to get like, the Vietnamese community involved um, in everything going on. And we also
3: try to equip high schoolers with leadership skills, in, um, interpersonal, intrapersonal skills as well. And I guess a variety of different skills related to work.
0: Does BPSOS mostly work with youth, or is that just the program that you're part of?
3: Um, it's just the program that we're part of. They also have, um, I believe, another sector where they work with other individuals who are older, I believe.
2: Yeah, our, our main um, programs are like VO, which is for the Vietnamese um, mm-hmm. and it students. And stands for
3: Vietnamese Immigrants Youth Organizing.
2: And then there's YPOP, which is us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, besides those main specific programs, you know, for students in high school, we have, like, just different things for the overall community.
3: And we're also trying to connect with um, the older older people, for example, people in college, with um, a new thing that we're trying to be part of. It's called Philly Viet Vote, where we're trying to engage more Vietnamese people and especially um, other Asian Americans to engage in the civic... Uh, to engage civically by um, registering to vote, going out to the polls and actually voting.
2: Yeah, because like um, in Philadelphia, the Asian-American percentage of voters is only like one percent. So our goal is to try to get Asian-Americans more involved in um, our government and everything because it all affects us overall. Mm
4: -hmm. Did you guys work like uh, with, I mean, I imagine like folks from a different generation of uh, immigrants Mm -hmm. like I don't know, like, first, like, new generation of immigrants, folks They just came from Vietnam, for example, they mm-hmm. need uh, help with, uh, for example, the language that you were mm-hmm. mentioning, and I imagine, like, issues about around identity and also coming mm-hmm. to this country. Did you guys, like, have, like, uh, interact with like, folks that are, like, coming, like, new generation?
3: Oh, yeah, I've had to uh, interact with those type of folks um, over the summer when I was in the Journey Home Project, uh-huh. if that answers your question.
4: Yeah, and how was that? Like, it was, like...
3: Um, Let's say it was difficult for me because I'm I'm not that um, fluent in mm-hmm. Vietnamese, but I tr- I tried to speak with them, mm-hmm. and it was like a really powerful period during the summer because I've got I got to learn their story, how they came over here, their struggles they went through, and then I learned some things that um, they're having trouble with here, mm-hmm. that they're they're entitled to, but they aren't like being provided for mm-hmm. in a way.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i asking you that, you know, because um, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm also immigrant, but I'm from Mexico. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes I experience, like, being here, you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes, like, you try to reach out to your community, mm-hmm. which is, mm-hmm. a, you know, like, second, third generation of Mexicans being here in this country. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, huge difference. And sometimes mm-hmm. like, people be like, well, like, oh, they're, like, all, you know, the same, you know, they're, like, should, like, you know, understand mm-hmm. each other. But there's a mm-hmm. lot of issues, actually, around identity and how... Um, you know, we experience our identity and how it's changing and how that, like, being in this country, like, that's sometimes challenging for those folks that are coming just, mm-hmm. uh, and they're new, you know, they're, like, in a different, you know, culture and context and issues about language and mm-hmm. and issues around deportation also that you're all mentioning. Um, I mean, I don't know if that's, like, something that is also scary around the community.
3: Um, there's definitely a language barrier between generations, and then that language barrier also um, comes down to polling as well, where um, certain where polls don't have like interpreters for these individuals, so that they can vote. They have dif- since they have a difficulty understanding and reading English, they are unable to vote and are often turned away because they don't have someone to interpret for them.
2: Yeah, and there's also like the aspect of um, like Asian. Asian immigrants who are actually like scared to get you know involved in gu- you know politics and everything because they come from a country where um, it's ruled and where there isn't like a democracy and everything that you know it's kind of hard and it's, it's really different mm-hmm. to come to a new country where you know we have these rights and we're able to, to vote for our leader and everything like that. So that's our goal again, you know, to try to get them to reach out and show them mm-hmm. that you know their vote does count and that you know they do matter. Mm-hmm.
4: And that was part of the after-school program that you guys were working in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh.
3: and that's part of yeah. another um, segment called Philly Viet Vote, where we're trying to, we're working with PCAPS, in mm-hmm. addition to other organizations, trying to get, um, I believe, twenty-five thousand uh, education yeah. pledges by November, I believe. And we're, tr- well, our goal is we're trying to get at least a hundred more. V- Registered voters even though that doesn't seem like much since there's like I believe roughly 14 to 16,000 Vietnamese immigrants Um, it's really difficult because uh, Most of them don't really want to be engaged from what from our experience at least and from my experience over the summer A lot of them don't want to be civically engaged at all
2: Yeah, like personally speaking my family has been in America for over 20 years and my grandparents have not like they've never been involved in anything They've never voted yet, and they've just been you know, minding their own business and doing, you know, instead of getting involved in everything, mm-hmm. which we think is important. Because, like, our goal right now with this project is to get at least mm-hmm. a solid 10% increase mm-hmm. in um, Asian American voters. And
3: yeah, the good part is I believe we've got, we've registered at least 50 new people.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: So that was a really good number. Even though we found a lot of rejections when we, during our tabling sessions across um, different I guess supermarkets or areas where mm. there's a lot of the Asian community.
4: So like around like Center City and Philadelphia where you were like
2: yeah, we've thinking. done canvassing um, mm-hmm. Center City, Chinatown, and mm-hmm. South Philly, um, and even though we get rejected, I think it's still fun because um, a lot of people don't know what's going on with the whole budget cut mm-hmm. crisis and how it's gonna like affect our overall society and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So when we go up to them, to complete strangers, and tell them about, it, they're like, "Oh, really?" Um, and it's stuff that people don't know about. And don't, you know, honestly, probably don't care about, and so they're ignorant to everything. So um, it's, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I like the experience of canvassing and going up to people and mm-hmm. telling them about everything because no one really knows what, you know, our governor's doing and how these budget cuts have are really affecting our education.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like uh, some of the things that you said WIPOP was providing for people are the types of pr- services and programs in schools that we would ideally be providing to everyone. Mm-hmm. I mean those are things that we want our youth to be getting. Mm-hmm. The kind of leadership experience or the kind of uh, counseling that will allow them to make informed choices about their future. And those are the types of things that are being slashed mm-hmm. from education budgets all over the state, and definitely here in Philadelphia though. Um, how did y'all get involved with with that issue specifically as um, as a, as a focus for civic engagement, I mean, it seems like you're that's something that's obviously directly affecting you right now. Um, but but did you did you choose that just organically from this is this is something that we know about personally that we're here to talk to you about, or was that a priority of the organization beforehand? Talking about education budget cuts
3: um, in BPSOS and educating the next generation and um constantly equipping them. With skills to that will help them in the future is, is was already an important aspect. So going into this, um, I guess, t- topic or area was like something that we were really passionate about. Something that we really felt that our community needed. Felt that we ourselves also needed.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, mm-hmm. it was sort of something, I mean, this is our first year of YPOP, yeah. Yeah. so um, it just sort of fit in with everything that's going on, and a lot of us are affected because we're all mm-hmm. in high school, we're seniors, so, um, you know, whether it was in school and how we were doing rallies and stuff, it all just sort of clicked for us to continue with this whole education campaign with YPOP because mm-hmm. it all affects us and something we're all passionate about.
0: And is that how y'all came to find out about Decarcerate? What's your What's your history with Decarcerate?
3: Oh yeah, that was how we found out about Decarcerate PA through YPOP. They held, um, I believe, a couple workshops, like maybe like three or four workshops with YPOP, and then that's how we've gotten um, to be part of. Well, I guess connected to Decarcerate mm-hmm. PA, even though um, the day we we're supposed to have that session.
0: With yeah, yeah, people. we're going to come to the people's hearing.
3: And then it got moved because of the s- supposed snow day. And the weather, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then <laughs> it's that day was placed on the day I couldn't come. So yeah. we made a speech. Yeah. Me and Mariana created a speech that was supposed oh, to remember. read. I remember
4: Ashley was trying to play that no. and it was no. like, no. How, how <laughs> did you play that? Yeah, I don't remember.
6: Yeah. There were technical difficulties, but mm-hmm. it happened. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, and that for for yeah. those who are just um, may not be familiar with some of Decarcerate's recent actions, that was the People's Hearing that we held out in Harrisburg back in oh, I guess, right. February. Mm-hmm. Um, we were holding a, a hearing in the rotunda of the Capitol, and we were doing it um, because the the Senate and the House Judiciary Committees, who should be holding hearings to investigate the um, the flawed process around. The construction of Phoenix One and Two, the two huge new state prisons outside of SEI Greaterford, um, they were neglecting to hold hearings themselves. That's you know Representative Marsico and, and Senator Greenleaf, the Republican chairs of those committees, um, despite our our the information that we gave them, um, showing them how necessary it was to hold these hearings and all, and showing them this material that we uncovered through right-to-know requests that um, exposed a lot of the, the, the flawed um, process behind it and just the, the, the outright lies and misstatements of the Department of Corrections, which justified this $450 million construction project um, that the state you know, can't afford right now and shouldn't be building anyway um, at a time when the prison population is finally, finally uh, declining. It showed how the how the DOC had had manipulated this data, that, and and in some cases just ignored their own results. Um, we provided that material with a careful analysis to the the uh, to everybody, to all the members of the House and and Senate Judiciary Committees, but um, they declined to hold hearings to investigate that, and instead we had to hold one ourselves. So we went out. And unfortunately, as they said, there was a a snow day, de- uh, snow delay on the first, the first scheduled day. Um, so some of our allies, like BPSOS, were unable to come to the follow up um, a couple weeks later. But that was this winter for all of us. So I guess we're just we're just lucky that the second day went off without a hitch. But it was a great event. Um, you can hear, you can go on decarcerate uh decarcerate slash radio which is our where you can hear all of the um the older um versions of this show all of our 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 backlog of shows um and you can find a recording of the people's hearing um there and you can hear more about that issue from our allies in a great speech by ashley um among others um and you can see some pictures there We're going to cut to some music and we'll be right back to talk a little bit more with BPSOS and get to some more questions um, about these budget cuts, about how we're divesting from our education system at a critical time, about how we are investing in deportation and detention and the ways in which um, those systems are parallel and very closely connected with mass incarceration on a state and national level. You're listening to Decarcerate Radio on 88.1 FM WPEB in Philadelphia.
6: It's it's called Fire. It's by Fred Ho, who's uh he he passed away this last week, and he's he's done he's done a lot specifically in this last year for uh, Russell Maroon Schultz, um, helping kickstart a campaign for his uh, release from solitary confinement. Um, the song's called Fire. <laughs> back.
1: Next to your body. i right.
4: here at WPEV 88.1 FM on uh, West Philadelphia, and we are talking about, um, you know, issues around the economy and, and the budget uh, for education, issues around deportation, and, um, and talking about these connections also with the campaign of PA. APA. Um, so we're just talking a little bit uh, off the air. Uh, we're talking a little bit about the work that One Love has been doing in Philadelphia and, um, um, you know, um, specifically around uh, fighting issues of uh, deportation in the Cambodian community. And one of the things that we're just commenting off the air is uh, the last week, um, um, this campaign, the One Love, Juntos, New Century Movement, and many other organizations in Philadelphia were part of it. There was a, a coalition of organizations. Um, they won this huge campaign that they were hosting where um, they were asking a uh, major nodder to um, to stop uh, honoring ICE detentions which is pretty much the collaboration between police and, and immigration. So when somebody, um, especially, you know, they were using a lot of a ra- ra- racial profiling and stopping people that look like immigrants, you know, because c- their, their ethnicity, they weren't being detained um, by police because, you know, sometimes some traffic uh, issue or something, you know, uh, how do you call it, like traffic? Uh? Traffic um, yeah, traffic stop or something. Um, and and then immediately when they were being stopped, um, uh, police, uh, you know, judging by the ethnicity of that person, was checking on their status with immigration and, and sometimes holding this person under detention until ICE could come and be like, oh, yeah, this person, you know. Needs to be deported, always going to be put in, uh, in detention. So this is part of a, a bigger program is, uh, called Secure Communities that supposedly is trying to uh, take the people, you know, um, that, that has no documents in this community and in this country, and that was a huge, huge issue. Um, and I think uh, one of the things, you know, that we've been advocating is. Um, you know, and trying to create awareness and how these programs, what they are doing is really separating our, our families, separating our community. When a person gets detained and take taken away from this community where they belong, sometimes these people have uh, been in this country for way longer sometimes, you know, than, than in, in their um, country of origin. So sometimes they don't even have the language of the country of origin anymore. Um, so this was an, a huge issue. So we're just talking about that, you know, and this was a huge win uh, that happened this, this week, which, uh, you know, it's like amazing, you know, effort and work that all these people put behind this campaign. So I was wondering, and we were just having this conversation with uh, Mariana around, the, you know, what is your personal um, opinion or experience around issues and of deportation in in your community.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, I'm Cambodian, so I'm pretty familiar with everything going on, and I live in a pretty um, populated Cambodian area in South Philadelphia. And um, I've known families and men who are deported from their families and have been living here for most of their lives since they were um, kids. And they came to school here, they have jobs here, they have families here but because of like a minor thing that they did, they were arrested. Some Even cases from like months before, um, you know, they get arrested and deported. And that's it's really scary because um, like my uncle and my dad um, have been arrested before for minor cases. And one thing I'm really scared for is, you know, for my dad to be deported himself. And, um, you know, with him, he's always like, that's not going to happen. I've been like, living here for forever. I'm, I'm documented here, you know. I have a right to be here. I'm legal. But, um, you know, with everything going on, anything can happen, I think, and that's what I'm really scared for. And, like, with him personally, um, he's Cambodian, and he's been pulled over because he said that the cops said that he looked like he was Mexican and that he was, um, you know, illegal. Mm -hmm. And they took his license and, like, scribbled all over it. And, um, like, my dad, he doesn't really care, but that's really, really messed up and racist, I think, for you to assume something like that. So... You know, this whole thing connects to with everything going on with decarcerate Philadelphia and um, even in like the Cambodian um, community with education too. A lot of the Cambodian, um, Cambodians don't, you know, a lot of them do drop out of school. A lot of them are, um, you know, part of violent things or gangs and things like that. So, um, you know, a lot of us are being deported and our um, community is decreasing in Philadelphia.
0: Yeah, it seems like it's, it's part of a, an effort to link up um, y- these categories of, of, of race and criminality and saying that anybody who looks like this might be illegal and anybody who's illegal is a criminal and all illegal criminals need to be deported. And then just sort of saying those things over and over again in close enough succession that it all becomes one category. Of you know these people look like this, they are illegal, they are undocumented, and they are criminals, mm-hmm. and saying it all sort of together if you say it fast enough and you say it over and over again, people will start to believe you, and people will start to to for you know to to conflate those to combine them into one one thing i mean it 's telling that um you know that you could be pulled over because you looked mexican like that's that 's the um like Mexican has already been deemed illegal and criminal Mm -hmm. and so if you're Cambodian you look enough like you might be Mexican Which has somehow become criminal. I mean that's that's a uh, You can see how slippery that slope is and it's true that you can be a legal documented um, Resident in the United States and up until that point that you're that you're actually a citizen you can you can be totally above-board You catch a case and you can be deported even though you're, you know, a, a, you've been here, you're a legal resident, you've got all of your paperwork in order. Um, deportation is is still an option, and and that's a huge threat to hold over people because that's a, you know, that's a that's that's a life sentence away from from your family and your community there.
4: And I think like also like one of the things you know the all these uh, words that they've been using in, um, around um, deportation and, and immigration, you know, like words like. Illegal, legal, you know, and criminal, non-criminal, you know. There are also words that, like we in the carcer. We've been trying to actually, um, you know, um, um, you know, so
0: push back again, push back yeah. a little bit,
4: you know, um, and and you know also because we believe that people have also second chances, you know. Whether you're mentioning, you know, like if somebody have been detained in the past. Um, And that's going to be in the record and and later on that's being used for deporting this person, right? Uh, We believe in second chances and we also like seeing in Philadelphia, you know, young people, they're like your age that, you know, commit a crime at some point and they are being detained for life in Philadelphia, which means that they don't have a chance to get out of jail Never, you know. They're like, you know, young people like you, like, you know, 16 years, they're being treated as adults. And some of them, you know, they're spent like, they're like in their 40s, 60s, you know, and uh, and the incarcerated is also trying to fight that back, you know, and, 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 and been telling people, you know, like young people, you know, when we are still like in that age, you know, we're still trying to understand our values and, you know, our identity and everybody commits, you know, some mistake at some point and people deserve second chances, you know, because otherwise, you know, these this young people, these lives, you know, are behind bars forever here in, in Pennsylvania, which is, it's definitely, you know, an issue is happening.
2: Yeah.
5: And, and to sort of add on to what you were saying, Anna. Um, about uh, like the sort of distinctions between like illegal and legal and different things things like that that um that the state has been trying to make. Um, the mayor was also originally trying to to make the distinction between um, violent and nonviolent, um, you know, crimes that that people had supposedly committed um, with regard to these ice holds. And so his original um, executive order was going to end ice holds for nonviolent. Crimes, which was, you know, most of uh, most of the ice holds, um, but New Sanctuary Movement and One Love and Junto said that that, you know, wasn't good enough, and that that, that ice holds for anyone were still, you know, an additional form of punishment over uh, incarceration that, that these people had already um, had already experienced, and so you know that's when the mayor finally relented, and, and now we have one of the most progressive policies that um, that also ends ice holds for these quote violent
0: offenses. Right, ice holds take effect after any kind of, um, you know, uh, of holding order um, is finished. So the the what an ice hold allows them to do is to hold you past whenever they are legally allowed to hold you. So if if you're being held in jail pre pre trial or if you're getting out after a thirty year sentence, the ice hold allows them to keep you longer then they would otherwise legally be able to keep you and specifically for the purpose of initiating deportation and, and detention proceedings. Um, so it's this extra legal force in a system where the legal forces are already um, way out of line and frequently corrupted and racist, which are things that we work against all the time. But it is it's um, I'm very proud that decarcerate um, You know, was an ally to those organizations in this effort because I think that it's a very, um, it's a, a very impressive thing that given that that you know partial victory that Nutter was offering, um, they had the strength to to say we won't be divided, we won't just take this and you know and and throw some of our own community under the bus and sort of sacrifice this group of people um, for the expedient option and they stood their ground and, you know, and, and Nutter relented and we ended up with, uh, a truly, um, progressive policy, um, rather than a a half step and a half measure.
4: Mm -hmm. So, I'm, I'm like, wondering, you know, like, all these issues, like, around detention, you know, deportation and, uh, and, you know, criminalization and, like, you know, these policies that keep, uh, young people behind bars, like, uh, where like your, uh, I don't know, your, how do you experience that, you know, like being a young, um, young person, you know, here, you know, under all this, you know, that you're mentioning, they're cutting the budget, you know, for your education, you know, and this is, this is the America that you're living in. So like, I'm wondering how do you guys experience all that? How do it affect you or if it even affect you?
2: I'll go. Okay, so um, I think it affects me a lot because in my neighborhood, the kids that I grew up with, um, a lot of them did end up booked. A lot of them did end up in juvie, and um, coming out of these places, there aren't a lot of resources to help them get back on track with everything, and you know, once you're, once you're a criminal, you're sort of like like a repeat offender because there's nothing out there that sort of helps you get back on track with everything, I think, and you know, even with the whole education budget cuts and stuff, there aren't programs out there to help these kids with it. And a lot of them do end up going back and do end up causing more crimes and things like that. And yes, you can blame it on them, but at the same time, um, we live in America. We should get second chances and we should be provided resources to help us, you know, better ourselves and to change, I think. Um, Yeah.
4: Do you, do you know, like, do you have, uh, or do you guys been working with folks, uh with kids that are being uh, in juvenile in this program, these after-school programs that you work in?
3: Um, I don't believe
4: so. Uh, no. I don't believe so, no. Mm-hmm. But I've, like, had friends who've gone through all
2: of that. Yeah, and, and your friends are, like, they made it out. They're, like, they're still dealing with these issues. Yeah, a lot of them are going back and forth, you know, they for a while, a couple months, you know, they do well. And then in a little bit, you know, they screw up and mess up and they're back there in juvie and then, and you know, end up getting charged as an, as an adult.
0: Yeah, we talk about, I mean, Anna was bringing up the fact that Pennsylvania has the most juvenile-serving mandatory life sentences In the country, and therefore in the world, because most most parts of the world that's considered cruel and unusual, and that was just struck down by the Supreme Court. We got a very reactionary um, result in Pennsylvania, where despite the fact that it was ruled that mandatory life without parole was was ruled unconstitutional, um, the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania declined to make that retroactive, so all the people serving those sentences. Um, still have to finish them if they're done with their appeals, and they passed the they passed through um, the amendment to the to the sentencing laws that made um, that, that that's pretty close to the same thing um, that makes it very likely that juveniles will still get life. But you're talking about a more insidious sort of quiet form of life sentence where you mess up once, you don't get sentenced for life, but you get denied the basic resources um, to, to succeed in life, making it extremely likely, you know, given, given these lack of options, um, that you'll be in and out of the system um, and have that stigma of being, you know, being a criminal for life. I mean, at the very least, because people are, you know, ha- have that kind of racist reaction to you. Um, but then literally, you know, not being able to, to, to get basic social services for the rest of your life because of things that you did as a young person.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like a lot of these kids, um, did drop out of high school. So, you know, their whole education is pretty much done from there on. And even like we had, um, we had speakers from decarcerate um PA a couple of days ago speaking about you know their experience with everything and how and how even um in juvie they don't even have you know they're required to have lessons in school there correct mm-hmm. um but the only they hardly ever get it and mm-hmm. you know they're not provided with any any educational things there and they're like stuck in a cell for pretty much 20 Three hours a day, which is crazy, because they're still young and they still need to be educated. They still need to be taught, you know, basic lessons and stuff like that. But you know, they're treated as adults, and um, that's not that's not right. I don't think.
0: Yeah, we've got this. This brings us to a couple of um, of things we wanted to air today. Uh, the first is a uh, uh, this is part of our voice, our recurring voices from the inside um, segment, and and where we either read statements or air clips of people who are currently incarcerated or formerly incarcerated um, in Pennsylvania and around the world, and we've got a clip today um, from an ally of decarcerates, um, Shakabuna, um, and it's, it deals with some of these topics about, um, about juveniles and life imprisonment.
7: Don't lie. By Kerry Shakabuna Marshall. Pennsylvania don't care about the human rights of children. There, I've said it. Many people are fearful of making such a straightforward yet truthful statement, but the numbers don't lie. Pennsylvania has 540 children serving life without parole prison sentences. Pennsylvania has the most children serving life without parole in the nation and in the world. In Pennsylvania, about 70% of children serving life without parole prison terms are African American and 10% are Latino. In Pennsylvania, of the 540 children serving life without parole prison terms, about 350 are from the city of Philadelphia. In Pennsylvania, life without parole is a mandatory prison sentence for first and second degree murder offenses. Post Senate Bill 850, there is now a different sentencing scheme for child offenders, which does not retroactively apply to the 500 and 40 child offenders already serving life without parole. Pennsylvania is one of only six states that has life without parole imprisonment as the only life sentencing option. A life prison sentence is a death sentence in Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania, about a third of child offenders serving life without parole sentences have second-degree murder convictions, which is a felony murder charge which says that Legally, the child did not murder anyone, but was involved in some way. In Pennsylvania, due to a post-1997 state statute that changed the board of part, commutation of life without parole sentences are no longer possible for children serving life without parole. In Pennsylvania, children serving life without parole imprisonment are calling life without parole sentences death by incarceration which is the new death penalty. Pennsylvania spent $2 billion a year maintaining its Department of Corrections with annual increases of $100 million to cover contractual increases in, in costs. In two years, the Philadelphia School District has stripped $400 million out of its annual budget, closed 30 schools, eliminated 7,000 jobs of mostly teachers, and suffers from a $304 million deficit. At the same time, Pennsylvania is constructing three new prisons at a cost of $800 million. In Pennsylvania, a devastating public school to public prison pipeline has been quietly thriving over the past few decades, resulting in children of color being treated as undesirables and thrown away like disposable diapers and social trash bins we call prison. Children don't matter. The numbers don't lie. I am Kerry shaq marshall speaking from SCI Robby Prison, and thank you for listening.
6: Okay, so we're back. Um, so you guys were just talking about um, a meeting, that a potential meeting you were going to have with Governor Corbett. Governor Corbett is afraid of Philly because he likes to... It's over so much. Do um, you guys want to talk about talk about what happened? He was going to visit Central, Central High School,
3: mm-hmm.
2: right?
3: Yeah. He was supposed to visit Central High School to honor three academically high-achieving schools, um, Central High School, Masterman, and Carver. Um, and on that day, he was supposed to come give us a banner and give us recogni- recognition. But um, he just went away because of the so-called proclaimed adult theatrics that <laughs> she was running from when it was um, a lot of a lot of the work that um, that that happened that day was actually from student planning and it was just like really disgraceful to run away from students because a lot of us are already adults if you want us to actually vote for you why would you run away from us and not speak to us
2: yeah and like with him, it was it was really fishy and weird because he was the one who came out and reached out to you know our principal and said I wanna I want to come speak to you all. We, we weren't the ones who asked him to come over, and um, you know for that few days prior to his his meeting or whatever, he um, a lot of us were just like, what's what's his real purpose for coming? Is this for is this like um, you know to help for his you know to help with his. Um, campaign and everything to to pretend that you know he does care about our education and that you know since our schools are succeeding that this is an example of his work with um, public education and everything. So um, a lot of us were just like, why is he coming? Like, should we be honored that he's coming or should we just like you know start
3: fighting for other schools that are lacking resources?
2: Yeah, because obviously we're gonna do well because you know these are magnet schools, but then what he's not thinking about it's all of the other neighborhood schools and mm-hmm. you know schools that
3: where our friends are actually attending yeah they lack resources as well yeah and it's Mm -hmm. dangerous
2: there and everything like that he you know he's not paying any mind to them and they're being affected the most Mm -hmm. um so during that day that he was supposed to come a lot of the kids the students were the ones who um, organized everything we were the ones who made signs and wanted to protest in the morning we were the ones who decided to wear red and to
3: Philadelphia Federation of Teachers. Yeah, it's for the teachers' union to represent
2: mm-hmm. them, we were the ones who organized everything, and for him to, to ditch us to then say that you know the adults were the ones who were doing this and um, telling the kids to do this and that. You know that's not true because you know there are students who do care about um, education and we do want to make you know a change with it all.
3: It's really
6: cowardly.
2: Yeah, and it was insulting for us, I think. Um, but then in the end, it just sort of proves that he doesn't care. Oh. Well, yes, but it's
6: it's also, you know, it's also a victory, you know, like, mm-hmm. like he's he's been attacking like Philadelphians, poor people, people of color since he, he got in office. And, you know, he ran from you guys. That's that's a victory. You guys should you should congratulate yourselves for that. <laughs> you know, like that's
3: to be his first time visiting a Philadelphia public high school. But he still didn't come. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, it's an amazing I mean, I hear what y'all are saying about how patronizing it is to assume that y'all aren't paying attention enough to realize that, you know, the, the, that his policies affect you and that you would have to be told by adults um, to protest him rather than seeing for yourself the kind of effect that the that his policies and his divestment from public education is having on your school, but also more importantly, you know, the the other schools that may not even have the same resources that your school has, mm-hmm. and it's it's it is impressive mm-hmm. um, that that you could um, sort of th- let him know that his policies, you know, have real effects, and that he can't just he can't do that kind of thing to your community and then expect. Um, the happy photo op at the end of the day he doesn 't get the kind of um, he doesn 't get to to rewrite the story come election year um, to pretend like he 's a big champion of public education i mean the the school reform commission controls the whole um, Philly school system and that 's a state you know he 's appointing the people on the state there so he has if he wants direct control over the system and he wants to divest from it and slash it you know its budget to ribbons um, then he has to take responsibility for that and he doesn't get to have his cake and eat it too
2: Mm -hmm. yeah and it was funny that day because we were um, a lot of us watched um, his his interview with everything how he went to the hotel instead and we watched it in class and you know Mm -hmm. his reasoning and explanation for everything and we even like um, like that his twitter account and the tweets that he sent out and how he changed his um, his like background picture to him with minority children, um little kids in school and we're just like, uh, okay. For a maybe. Yeah, for a day. Like, so you do care about um, you know, students in Philadelphia by, by putting a picture on Twitter and by sending out these tweets and everything. And um yeah, we were just like on and we gave him nicknames like Governor Corbut and yeah. <laughs> a bunch of other things like that.
0: Probably some that we can't air on the radio. Yeah, you know? pretty much <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: That's 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 pretty brave. I mean, I think like, you know, like part of what you were saying, you know, like what you all doing is, um, you know, like creating this leadership, you know, Mm there is like conscious about what's happening around, you know, your city, you know, and Mm -hmm. how all these cuts in education are affecting you, you know, and like who's who's responsible for this, you know, I think that that's 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 really, really brave. I um, was curious uh, if you can talk a little bit more actually about these after-school programs mm-hmm. that you are doing.
3: Um, also, we're trying for us and the programs that we are in. Um, we're also trying to let individuals know that power is not only passed from person to person, but it's also developed within each of us. Mm-hmm. So, if we develop all our own powers within us and then all collaborate, that becomes a really powerful force. in what happens to us, what happens to our, um, our future kids, our peers, mm-hmm. and like the socioeconomic and education landscape that really affects all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: and like at YPOT, we do a bunch of workshops and things where we do like identity, um, you know, a lot of things with um, knowing yourself and everything, mm-hmm. and do a lot of things like LGBTQ and just mm-hmm. um, giving each other... Knowledge about everything, and we do like all of that. It's it's my favorite part because a lot of the th- a lot of these things I didn't know about, I didn't really care about. But um, because like WiPop provides it all, it sort of opened up my mind more, and I'm like more open minded towards everything. Um, and it sort of makes me want to get involved in the community and make me. F- it makes me feel like you know I can make a change. And a lot of kids don't think that you know I'm just a teenager. Like what? Who will listen? Like who will ever listen to me? I'm just one person. But um, like our whole program sort mm-hmm. of empowers all of us to do so and to speak up and to know that, you know, we can make a change. Um, and that's something I got from it just mm-hmm. by working with BPSOS for like a year and a half. And I feel like a completely new person. And mm-hmm. um, it's, it's been amazing, I think. And um, that's why we need more programs like this in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm.
0: How can people look you all up and get involved? I mean, if they both want to know about you, maybe some people out there want to give you money. I don't know. Um, but maybe, you know, other um, youth want to be involved or um, people might be interested in some of those other programs involving civic engagement or or, uh, or older folks.
3: The Philadelphia BPSOS uh, branch is located at 6 in Washington. Um, I believe six hundred 600... Uh, Sweet eighteen U eighteen E U E or something like that.
2: Yeah, and you can just Google us. PPSLS um. PPSLS <laughs> hyphen Delaware
3: Valley, and um,
2: yeah, the um, all, and then we have like Facebook pages too, mm-hmm. so you can always check us out on there.
3: We also have a youth Philadelphia organizing for power, power Facebook page. Yeah, so our,
2: just like look it up on internet, and I'm pretty sure you will find us. You can find us. And 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 do you use Twitter? Uh, Twitter. Twitter. Um, I don't
4: think
3: we've used Twitter. I mean, you I use personally like, use Facebook. Twitter, but... In um,
2: other <laughs> another organization. Yeah, yeah uh, we By need our, to get into that.
3: But our organization definitely uses Facebook a lot. Yeah,
2: everything's okay.
4: on Facebook. Awesome. And I have, like, one, one question also. Mm-hmm. One more question. Um, last year... What, I can remember if it was last year or this year. Um, we are asking folks... We have this campaign that was leading to the march, uh, the last year, when we were asking people... You know, if you could, you know, use all the money that they're using for building new prisons, um, you know, and um, for keeping going all this, like, you know, machinery of mass incarceration, if you could use all that money um, in your community, what you will be building for why you will be using all that money?
0: Yeah, we call it the instead of prison project. So um, what would you build instead of prison? And it can be a, you know, something... Concrete that you'd build mm-hmm. um, or just what kind of service would you provide? What would you want that money doing? Positively in your community and one of our points on the decarcerate platform is community reinvestment. Mm-hmm. It's no new prisons decarceration and community reinvestment So if we stop the prison construction if we bring people home, so we're not spending thirty five thousand dollars a year to keep them locked in cages what do we want to spend that on in our communities to make them safer, happier, stronger communities?
3: Mm-hmm. For me personally, um, I work at the Free, uh, uh, Free Library of Philadelphia. And I've worked with individuals uh, similar to my peers. Um, often they will come to a point in life where like, they feel a certain emotion, and they're not really sure why. And they don't know how to really um, use those emotions to like, help them in life. And then they often make rash, bad decisions. So if I were to reinvest that them, like, I would invest into like a program that develops like their emotional intelligence, them understanding these emotions, how did they come upon these emotions, how can they use these emotions to like use it as a driving force to what they're able to do, what their potential is. Because everyone has potential. It's just how you use it.
2: Yeah, like mentoring mm-hmm. programs and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And also like for me, like just bas- basic recreational centers and more safer playgrounds because like again I live in South Philadelphia and we don't have safe playgrounds and places where you know parents can send their children in after-school programs and like a place where they can stay off the streets but instead you know use their time on better things that can better themselves and uh, whether it's educational Mm -hmm. or fun or even like sports or something you know getting kids um, an alternative to to violence and gangs Mm -hmm. and drugs um,
3: and for them to build like interpersonal skills, for which they can actually um, interact with other people, like active listening, actively giving them um, constructive feedback. Um, yeah,
2: that's what they yeah. need, I think. And mm-hmm. it's basically just like adult support and to know that you know they have others, they have a community to help them.
3: Like for us in Y we have um, a career mentorship pipeline, and for which we're meant um, we're paired with a mentor from like various institutions, like. Um, one of our one of the mentors is like we um, have
2: like dentists and like people lawyers who work with
3: universities um, teachers um, and they've definitely provided us with a lot of support upon um, like our transition from high school to college and that has been really helpful
2: yeah to sort of just like have like an adult figure mm-hmm. that you can look up to I think
0: and that's so such an incredible juxtaposition against The image of the school to prison pipeline, Mm -hmm. which is what so many of our youth are being funneled into um, Mm -hmm. all across the city all the time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, construct a different pipeline. That's what we need need to do with with that (laughs) money. Um, Dave's going to read a couple of upcoming events for us here that are part of the celebration of life. Which is an event um, inspired by Mumia's 60th birthday, am I correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, but touching on some of the other um, um, key issues of liberation here. And there are some great events coming up in this upcoming week. So, you want to tell them about it, Dave? Yeah,
6: so um, for people who don't know about Mumia Abu Jamal, he's a uh um, he's a political prisoner. He's he's been held in prison since the '80s, accused of of killing an officer. He had a, like a, a, a terrible trial. Um, a lot of the a lot of the witnesses were coerced by the police, and um, a lot of them have recanted. Um, and he's been denied a new trial um, throughout this whole process, and kind of given given a legal runaround. Um, and there's a lot, of, you know, there's a lot of, in Philly, especially more than probably most places around the world, there's, um, you know, there's, there's like a, a police and right-wing organizing effort to, to deliberately uh, spread misinformation about his case. But um, April 24th is his birthday, so uh, the friends and family of Mumia Abu-Jamal are... Planning a celebration of life. Um, he recently got off of, you know, Mumia recently uh, got off of uh, death row, which was essentially solitary confinement, and and um, made it into general general population for the first time in like uh, what is it? A, a couple decades now, um, something like that. Um, and this, this celebration is also celebrating the life of Amiri Baraka, who passed away this last year, too. So, there is an event April 24th at, where is it, 1016 South Street, which is uh, it's a place called Opportunity Incorporated. Um, it's 6 to 9.30. The tickets are a little pricey. They're $30, um, but it'll be a great event. Um, The Last Poets will be there, Uh, uh, who else, Iwari Osayande, uh, Marvin X, there's going to be a special message from Angela Davis, and uh, special guests include author, activist, and professor Cornel West, (laughs) Um, and he's always great to see see speak, he's like one of the most dynamic, um, crazy people you'll see on a stage ever. Um, So April 25th, um, the Books and Beats Tour is coming to Philly, that's also um, part of the Celebration of Life, Um, and so it's going to be a bunch of great performers, including some which I don't know, some which I do, uh, including Precise, Science, Tahir RBG, um, Colony Changa Star, and Black Dot. Um, and that's at the Black Angel Cafe, forty-four, fourteen Germantown Avenue, um, and that I think that's ten dollar donation on April twenty-sixth. There's going to be a free event. It's going to be I think it's going to be a march, um, and it's and it's uh, labeled the Sons and Daughters of the Revolution march, and um, these are uh, former Black Panthers, and that's going to be at, I think, meeting 10 a.m. at, um, where is it, no, at 19th in Cecil B. Moore, um, starting at the former Black Panther Party headquarters and marching to the Church of the Advocate eventually at 18th and Diamond. Um, and then that's where there's going to be um, another big Celebration of Life event, and these this will include um, recently released Black Panther, Party Political Prisoner. Marshal Eddie Conway, who, who's from Baltimore, just got released a few weeks ago. Um, Dead Prez is going to be there. Jasiri X. Jasiri X, we've played his clips on the show a few times. Um, Immortal, Immortal Technique's going to be there. Taina Sealy, she lived in Philly for a long time. She's great. You um, should definitely check her out. Um, Dice Raw is going to be there the University African Dance and Drum Ensemble and if, if, if they're who I think they are they're amazing they're like the, this um, traditional A- African dance troupe that, that's, that's on stilts it's intergenerational um, there's lots of drums it's, it's pretty wild to see so, um, so that's on the 26th at Church, um, church of the Advocate um, and that's going to be great do you guys have any events coming up?
2: Sweet. Um, not that I know of right now.
0: Well, if those events aren't enough for you, um, we oh, encourage we, everyone. Oh. Uh, I don't one?
3: remember the exact dates, but we're having a bunch of more tabling sessions um, where we are setting up tables trying to get more people to vote.
2: Yeah. So if you see us on the streets, <laughs> <laughs> uh, come, come register and come sign our education pledge. Yes.
0: And if all those other events aren't enough for you, Decarcerate has their general meeting um, coming up on April 28th at the Friends Center. That's at 6 p.m. And you, it's a great way to come get involved, find out more about our various committees and how you can be involved. You can also always look us up at decarceratepa.info. DecarceratePA is on Facebook. DecarceratePA is on Twitter. Um, you can Instagram, man, we're on, we're on all of it. Uh, most importantly, we're on the radio here at 88.1 FM WPEB Philadelphia, your West Philly community radio station. Thank you so much, Brandon and Mariana, for coming on uh, the show today and talking with us about the amazing work that BPSOS does and, and your experience of some of the things that we deal with. Um, with education cuts and divestment from our communities, uh, which are the very real consequences of mass incarceration and prison expansion across the state. Uh, this is Decarcerate Radio.
6: So another, another event coming up is um, the three-year anniversary of Decarcerate PA. Um, oh, good point. I can't remember the date. Does anybody know It's May 9th. May 9th. May 9th.
5: Yeah. And Friday, where's that right going to be? 7 p.m. Uh, it's at um, Impact Hub, which you should take the blue line... To Gerard, it's at like Fourth and
6: Gerard. Yeah, so we did a lot in these three years, and a lot of people have come together. So it's definitely going to be.
0: And that'll be posted on Facebook, so yeah, that's it's a great way it, to. It look is already on the Facebook. And yeah. It's on
4: our website. Yeah, but definitely, you know, like all these, you know, campaigns, you know, that we've been having for for the last three years. Um, it's amazing, you know. Uh, I don't know, like, work with um, One Love, New Central Movement, like, all these victories I think that, you know, all these coalitions have been having, you know, are, you know, exactly part of working together. So we're, like, really, really happy and enthusiastic, and, like, we want to celebrate in the same way that you're, you know, mentioning we need to be looking and doing work together uh, to be fighting, you know, all these, you know, things that we're we're living in this city in Philadelphia. So. Well, thank you all, and uh, tune in next Saturday, and I guess we're going to close in with a song that Dave will play.
6: This is Rebel Diaz, Never a Prisoner.
4: Thank you
5: all.
7: If the corporate media's job is to sell fear, conflict, and anger, yours is to show courage and adversity, cooperation, community, complexity, and the sheer genius and brilliance that exists In all of humanity,
1: people have to be able to see and sense a better way forward. You can light me down, but I will never be. Your prisoner victims are the ones that just obey and just give it up. Even in this world, we enslave like some prisoners of freedom for fight, the fights till the world is sitting up. You can like me down, but I will never be your prisoner victims are the ones that just obey and just give it up. Even in this world, we enslave like some prisoners of freedom fight the fights till the world yeah. is sitting up. Police, terrorism, television showing fiction Officers shot, them attorneys want convictions Silence in the movements that stood up for liberation Scared of self-defense and people's self-determination Terrified witnesses, forced cooperation 30 long years behind the walls of these racists Hero to the youth and everyone for revolution We need a million Mimias on the streets as a solution Take over the media tell the stories of the people Decolonize the streets till the cops are illegal The world is my cell and ain't no Come and visit me Went to these schools, but they ain't teaching us the history Live from death row, and I hope the world is hearing this Malcolm in my dreams and Fidel making appearances Salvador Allende was about popular unity Freedom from Umi Abu Jamal and my community You can lock me down, but I will never be your prisoner Victims are the ones that just obey and just give it up Even in this world, we enslaved like some prisoners A freedom fighter fights to the world, listen up Yeah, you can lock me down, but I will never be your prisoner Victims are the ones that just obey and just give it up Even in this world we enslaved like some prisoners A freedom fighter fights to the world, listen up Hear the screams of the people, millions for Mumia We marched in 97, no fear, we still here Years later, more hearings, more appeals They still trying to have an innocent man killed Or locked up in a cage for the rest of his days To suppress the power of putting a pen to a page In the age of information, really informing us Despite incarceration up people's journalists. Voice of the voiceless can't never be silenced. Exposing the injustice of systemic state violence. They lying, they steal, they rob, they kill. Yet we the ones targeted and thrown in jail. 30 years plus in chains and cuffs. Now what we gonna do? Get on that bus. To Philadelphia. heed the call. Free them all. And leave a die for Mumia or Abu Jamal. You can lock me down, but I will never be Victims are the ones that just obey and just give it up Even in this world we enslave like some prisoners A freedom fighter fights to the world, listen up You can lock me down, but I will never be your prisoner Victims are the ones that just obey and just give it up Even in this world we enslave like some prisoners A freedom fighter fights to the world, listen up Let us
7: become that which we revere and remember Let us be abolitionists strengthened by the positive contribution of our ancestors black and white let us struggle to make progress let us build the movement by making it blacker more latino and more working class let us understand that social movements change history